Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. How are we doing, people? Are we all doing all right? This is a good Sunday for you guys and gals and everything in between. I hope it is. It's been a, a weird week. It has rained here in June. I don't think I, I've experienced rain like that in June before. Uh, the humid was, uh, I wouldn't say unbearable, but it was inconvenient. Yeah, that's the right word. Because here from the Bay Area, we're not used to that kind of weather. And I know we get shit on by other people from other parts of the country that, for them, it's like, whatever. But for here, I, I was I was irritated by the weather, which, in, uh, in conclusion, irritated my day. So I had to deal with that. But again, hopefully this Sunday, because I'm, I'm recording this a couple days. No, actually, a day and a half from Sunday. Um... Getting ready to go to a wedding this weekend, this Saturday, and uh, it's gonna be from a friend from my back in my De Anza college days. Who's a, she's amazing. She's a real sweetheart, and she she found a real awesome guy. Like man, like yeah, she I think she has it pretty good. I, I don't think I have to look forward to that divorce party. Um, but uh, saying that, uh, it's that time of the year. It's that time of the year where it's the summer. You're in your late twenties. All your friends are settling down, they're making families, they're making beautiful children, at least most of them are, and it's like, you begin to wonder, it's like, where do you fit in all this? Because that's what's going to happen, I'm going to this wedding, I'm going to be happy for her, and then somewhere in the middle of the ceremony, like a little thought, it's going to swim into the back of my head, and be like, hey Jorge, maybe this is possible for you, next little wedding in the chapel, with a with a with a with a beautiful wife that loves you, and and that seems like a comfortable future to think about, and then you're like, wait a minute, how can I really have this? How's it possible for someone like me to or anybody to really get married, be in a committed relationship, when I could barely handle the goddamn coffee machine? Uh, the drip machine. I don't know how to fucking use it. I'm pretty bad at it. I had an episode when I had Freya Seaburger here, or Chalista, here on the podcast the first time around. She asked for coffee. I kind of bullshit on my way to it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll make you coffee. I go back there only to realize that I do not know how to make coffee. I figure you put the water, you put the you put the grinded stuff together, and it, it, you put it all together. You turn on the on button. It should be that easy. No, no, it was not that easy. It was an embarrassment. And those kind of things reminds me that, no, I don't think I'm ready to really uh, settle down long-term legally with somebody uh, to endure that. Um, Unless, you know, maybe if she's a barista, who knows. But uh, it's like, I don't think I'm I'm really uh, maturely ready for that necessarily. Because, I mean... How can some guy who process his emotions by eating pie really be in that position in life to raise a family? I don't know. I don't know how my friends do it. They're, they're, they're all great people. I've just been lucky enough to mostly surround myself with with great people. And so that is why I'm always happy You know, when I get invited to weddings. Uh, the only thing is I get sometimes I get invited to too many weddings. I'm like, Jesus Christ, do I have to go to everybody's wedding? Uh, but to those that really matter, it's like I'm always happy to hear about it. You know, and I wish them the best. 
so yeah so i'm sure i'm not the only one that's going through this i think most of us who are in our uh middle to late 20s maybe to our into our mid 30s are, are all gonna have those summers where every summer it's like all right who's gonna wedding th- who's gonna get married this summer and then maybe in our 40s maybe half of those will, will end up being at divorce parties which should be just as fun maybe maybe a little funner i don't know uh, i'll let you guys know once i get there you know i'll, I'll give you guys a uh, a uh, what's the word a follow-up i think that's the proper word it's like, oh yeah, remember when I talked about this marriage? Oh, now it's over. But hey, man, they they got some great uh, great little finger food in this divorce party. I got that to look forward to. Uh, man, I wonder if they have finger food in this uh in this uh, wedding that I'm gonna go to. It's a Korean wedding, so um, uh, yeah, man, I got that to look forward to. I always love Korean food. Oh my god, see what I mean? Look at that. How come I can't just be like, Oh my god, I'm going to the wedding. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Nope, I go to like, huh, I wonder how the food's going to be. See, people, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that some of us think we're ready for that kind of relationship. And we and we end up doing it. And and sometimes, you know, you, you mature in a faster level to, to meet up those responsibilities. And some of us don't, you know, because love, love is just like water. You, it's, it's like you may have it in the state that you want it, whether you prefer love to be like a liquid state or you prefer love to be in a, in a vapor gas state, or maybe you prefer love to be in a solid state and you can only hold on to it. And of course, you know, you gotta, you gotta maybe manipulate the environment to keep it in that state. But eventually, that water's gonna go. Maybe that's the goal. Maybe it's to understand that love, like water, eventually will go away. Not to sound depressing, but the whole point is, uh, if you really love your little cup of water, then you do what you can to keep it in that state. Maybe I love my water to be in ice cubes. Maybe that's what I want my love to be like. So I have to become responsible and keep these ice cubes of love in my refrigerator as much as I can if I really give a shit about this ice cube uh, that represents my love but maybe sometimes you can't sometimes the refrigerator breaks down sometimes you realize that the this the solid state of love that you have has to go back to the to the universe has to go back to the air has to go back to the weather has to has to transform itself once again and provide uh, nourishment to someone else Wow, I really went off on this. Did I mention that my guest today is Amy Shank? What a weird segue, huh? Uh, we go from love, love ice cubes to Amy Shank. Amy Shank, uh, she is a, a great friend. I like to think she's a friend. She's really every time I talk to her, we're, we're friendly, and she is an awesome comedian, um, a great improver, and uh, she was there when I started doing comedy here in San Jose, and she has gone on to do some great amazing things so for me it's really fun to get some friends i haven't seen in a while because she she uh went off the radar at least my radar and now she's back in town and it's always fun to meet up with old friends and reminisce the the good old days of like trying to figure shit out (laughs) when you're a young comic or when you're a young person so I had a great chat with Amy Shank. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I was listening to it the other day when I was putting the podcast together. I'm like, it was a great chat. It was a really great chat. 
And uh, let's get to that. Uh, enough about this love talk. Nobody wants to hear about this. Um, but uh, saying that, before we get there, you can follow the JMS podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can visit the JMS podcast website by going to jmspodcast.com. And you can also follow JMS podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. All right. You can send me an email at jmspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you guys are interested to know upcoming uh, events, you know, we're, I'm working on, on a, another event right now, uh, please stay tuned to the social media and you'll find out when that's happening. It's always good fun. Uh, I think, uh, I'm not sure, if I, I'm pretty sure I already had, but I talked about the poetry event we had recently. That was a lot of fun. Looking forward for the next one. Um, if you want to see me with my stuff, let's see, I'm playing music. Okay, last episode I fucked it up. I forgot the band's name, but I am opening up for a band in Santa Cruz called Third Third Amp from the Sun. Oh God, let me say that again. Third Amp from the Sun. That is the band that I'm opening up for on Santa Cruz this upcoming Friday, the 16th, at the Poet and the Patriot. I go up at 9 p.m. I have a one-hour set. I have never done a one-hour set, but I'm taking on the challenge. Uh, I had a... Um, Let's see, last, a couple days ago, about like five days ago, I had a jam session with the bass player, Matt Mullins from the Mountain Chimes, and he is amazing. This guy's a beast on the bass, and he does harmonica, and it just elevated my songs to a whole nother level. My drummer's coming back from Europe, and we're going to jam all together, see how we all can mesh together. So, needless to say, is that I'm really excited for this upcoming show on the 16th. It's really going to be a different take on my music. And I think it's a good opportunity for not just for me to test out if I could do a one-hour set and if I could entertain people for one hour set and if I have the endurance and stamina to be playing music for one hour. But things would be a lot of fun. It's definitely uh, a different sound that you usually have. I usually do a one-man thing with a guitar. But he hearing it with the bass, hearing it with the harmonica, hearing it with the drums, I'm like, man, like it really... Uh, reinstilled some confidence in me as far as my music. I was like, maybe there is a place for my music in this community. I don't know. So come on out to Santa Cruz on the 16th at the Poe and the Patriot. Sh uh, blah, blah. <laughs> the show starts at 9 p.m. You can also come to my weekly comedy show at Cafe Frascati in downtown San Jose. It is uh, an amazing venue. I really think Cafe Frascati is like the most photogenic comedy open mic show in the... I mean, I, I'm confident to say the South Bay. But I think we could get a, a run uh, for their money anywhere in the Bay Area. SF or Oakland. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's most photogenic stage. You know, it ha has a great window behind you with the city behind you. And uh, it, it's beautiful wood designs. Uh, Roger, the owner of Cafe for Scott, did a good job of really making that place feel real authentic and, and yet um, a, a, a pe pleasing to the eye. So I have that going on every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Come on out. We have some great stuff. We have new segments. We have comedy debates. We've, we have a lot of fun comedy debates. And we have other great stuff happening. So yeah, once again, Cafe Frascati every Wednesday night at downtown San Jose at Cafe Frascati. So, all right, all right, all right, all right. I know, I know. You're like, Jorge, it's Sunday. I'm tired. Nobody wants to hear about the, about you, Jorge. I know why I tune in for this podcast, Jorge. I tune in this podcast because of your guest, all right? 
So enough with the talking. Let's move on. All right, I hear you. I hear you. In my head, I know that's what you're saying, and I will process this by eating a pie later. Man, I hope they have pie at this wedding. Not enough weddings have pie in their ceremonies. What's the deal with that? What's wrong with pie? I mean, everybody loves a wedding cake. Why not have a pie? If I, if I ever get married, I think that's going to be the one of the first fucking things I'm going to put in on the menu is we're going to have pie for everyone, right? Because when you're happy, you eat a pie and you feel happier. When you're sad and lonely at a wedding, you eat a pie, you'll feel better, all right? I think with the pie, it covers all those bases for everyone, whether people want to um, object to the wedding, whether people are happy for the wedding, who people are dubious about the wedding, about people who crash the wedding, I think a pie would ultimately cover all those bases and just light up the mood. All right, here's Amy Shank. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. So, where have you been? Like, I know, I know you've been in LA, <laughs> and, and most recently I found out you're in Oakland. So, what have you been up to? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, not honestly, not a whole lot. I, <laughs> like, I'm, uh, or a lot, just, just, uh, it's like been very varied. I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, like today I, uh, baked two trays of, um, Rice Krispie treats. Nice. Uh, and that was great. Uh, but as far as, like, I, I've been doing, um, as far as, like, performance things, uh, I've been doing random kind of pop-up stand-up shows, both in, like, L.A. and up here in the Bay Area. And then uh, I've been doing a lot of improv. Um, I perform in the city um, quite a bit. Pretty much everything that I'm doing is, like, quote-unquote freelance. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like pay-as-you-go. So it's like, yeah, sign up here do this once, tell me when you're in town next, do it again, and so that's just kind of the way I've been okay. living and my you, life. You've been hitting up uh, uh, comedy venues or just like any, any venue that takes you in? Uh, really, <laughs> um, it's been any, any venue or anybody that wants me. Like, it, it hasn't even been... I haven't been seeking anything out to do. It's been strictly people who have reached out to me. Like you, like this, for instance, is a perfect example mm-hmm. of the things that I've been doing. It's literally people who go, oh, hey, Amy. I remember Amy. That girl. Is she in town? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's in town. Do you want to do this Come thing? Come do this thing. Yeah, Let's yeah. do it. And then <laughs> I go and I do it and I have a great time. Yeah, yeah. And then I continue to live my life and it's great. It's really nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So you just really chill? Yeah. Letting things come to you? Yes. Kind of thing? Exactly, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Now, when we first met, wow, Jesus, was it like, what, what two years ago? Because I remember I met you once, I think I was only like, what, a couple months into comedy? Yeah. You were running a thing at at the First Street that Billiards? That was, yes. That, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I feel like I've known you for years. But we have but, known each other for years. But here's the thing. We ran into each other once. And but we didn't really see each other again until like a year. Yes. But we still recognized each other. Yes. Right from that one time. Yes. But you were running. A, I mean, now it's the Forger. But back in the day, God, I feel so old. The Forger. Before what the Forger, it, it was First Street Billiards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had like a little open mic. 
Mm-hmm. Was it a general open mic? Or was it a comedy open mic? It I don't was, remember. Uh, it was a comedy open mic. I started it. So I moved. That was right when I moved back to San Jose from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I moved back. I immediately got that job as a bartender and then proceeded to start that open mic because I was like starving for comedy and performance. Uh, and that's how I met pretty much everyone. That's mm-hmm. how I met everyone. And then I disappeared like yeah. I like I am want to do yeah. uh, for like six months or a year. I, I went and I worked at um, Camp Campbell up in Boulder Creek with uh, uh, my like childhood best friend, Lily. And so I did that job for like... What were you guys doing over there? Uh, I was... Uh, first, I was a camp counselor. Well, first I was... I, I would like run programs and then I was a camp counselor. How old were the kids? All ages. Well, they just you, Five to teaching them how to survive out in the wild. Yes, out in the wild wilderness of uh, of <laughs> heated cabins and. Um, was there ever like a kid where you're like, oh, this guy's not gonna make it? Oh no, <laughs> this kid was really in the wild. He was not gonna make it, or she. Uh, there were a few. There were a few that gave me some trouble. I remember this. There's this one girl. Um, oh God, uh, I think I think her name was At. Oh Ashley, yeah. Uh, she gave me a lot of trouble, and she was there for like three weeks out of the t- or four weeks out of the ten that I was a camp counselor. And she, we, we got through the first two weeks. She was there for the first two weeks, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, what was this her issue? Gonna kill me. Uh, she was very. She was just very like. Like she was like the like the very stereotypical like bratty like like I'm not gonna do anything you say like I'm here like I'm queen of the camp like very wow. like very it was it was almost as if it were out of a, a movie or a TV show because I up until that point had never worked with kids never worked with teens didn't like kids didn't like <laughs> didn't like anybody was strictly doing this because I personally was like I'm a piece of shit I need some sort of goodness in my life so uh-huh. I'm gonna go to this camp where like all things are good and yeah. hopefully revive like my the, the child that has died inside like that is that that was like the mindset going in and in the first week that I was there I got this girl who was just like I'm gonna make your life hell and it and it really really did happen just like a movie where it was like the first week was absolute hell uh-huh. and she and I butted heads on everything and she tried to pull a bunch of shit and how I old had, was she she was like thir- 14 13 14 and already that conniving oh yeah well she and so so this is a girl who her parents had gone like you know it was like it was it, it was it, an absolute storybook where she was just like she was so outwardly like this is me and like I'm gonna do this and but on the inside she was like the sweetest most like kind of almost like you know like kind of insecure like girl because I think her parents did a lot of things without her so they would go and they they went on this like summer-long cruise and basically like okay go to camp like bye uh. and then the other however many months out of the year she was at uh like a like an away school so you know she didn't have like it was like that relationship why do I feel like the end of the story is gonna be like and she disappeared on a trail (laughs) <laughs> and she got eaten by a mountain lion, yeah, uh, yeah. unfortunately. You know, I don't know what happened. She just, you know, we went on a hike and she never came back. <laughs> yeah, she she left. Uh, no. Um, but, but the rest of the, of the camp went great. Yeah, <laughs> but the rest of the summer, I, I got what I needed. You know, I'm a new, I was a new person. I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, no, she and I, she became, uh, we actually became very good friends. Like, by, at, by the end of the camp, she was the one that was, like, sitting next to me. Like, you know, just, like, she, like, went away. How'd you do she, it? How, how did you wrestle the bull? You know. No, I'm just I'm a I'm a teenage girl whisperer, Jorge. Uh, I am. I, well, I I think I had so much trouble with girls when I was in school 
that it was almost my like retribution to be like okay let me understand you and like let me let me like and but like let me now as a 20 like what three-year-old adult quote unquote uh like try and navigate this situation with with more you know with with more objectivity um and i did and it was great and i was able to be like listen like you need to shut the fuck up and like you you don't know what you're doing i think that's the biggest lesson we all could learn at a young age is when knowing when to shut the fuck up Mm -hmm. at any age yeah at any age i'm still learning why, why were you giving other girls trouble when you were younger I wasn't. Oh, I thought, I, I, was thought, a... I, I thought you said that you, when you were younger, you related to her. No, 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 no. no. I related. So when I was since, uh, pre- since pretty much kindergarten, there's always been one girl who's just flat out hated me Why? just for, Why? for any reason at all. Any reason? Any reason at all. And, um... Not that I like. I'm not unhateable. I like. I like. I don't. There's so like in my mind. Don't like, say that, Amy. You're a sweet gal. Come on. See, maybe I'm not. You know. But maybe, maybe but you're not. There's all. I, there's always been like my. It, it there, for a while there was a lot of um. Uh, it, it, like I was a I was a very popular um like elementary schooler, like it, it didn't last past elementary school. Um, but <laughs> but in elementary school I was like a really popular kid. And so there was always one girl who was like jealous. Jealous, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in my mind, it wasn't. I didn't know that, but looking back on it, and my parents would always be like, "No, this is what it is." Um, and but at the time, it was just like, "Oh, there's something wrong with me, or I'm bad, or or I suck, so or or from, whatever it is." From a young age, you kind of you kind of already had this feeling of insecurity, huh? Yeah. Well, no, I I gained it from. From uh, from from other other girls' insecurity, I think, kind of made me then insecure. Because I think the the reason that I started out as being very well liked is because I'm naturally I was naturally really confident. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came in because yeah, I like I had older friends. Like I grew up with like this neighborhood where it was like all the older kids, and it was like me, and I was like, oh, I'm so cool. And like my parents would like you know videotape every like shit I took like it was like I was very like I had a very like great childhood so by the time I got to school I was like full of confidence and just like the world is a great place and I'm great too and that's not most people's experience um Interesting. and so it was it's it there's um uh what what book is it it's a uh, oh shit not it maybe it's Sirens of Titan I don't know there's a Kurt Vonnegut book uh that he talks about he talks about how, like, in the future or, like, in a future world, it's, like, everybody eventually equals out. So if someone's really attractive, then they'll, like, you know, by the time they hit a certain age, then they will have uh, uglied themselves up. And if someone's really smart by a certain they'll dumb themselves so that everyone just, like, breaks even. And that's right. kind of how I feel. I think about that is like I came in very confident and very like just like yeah and then there were other girls who probably came from really shitty childhoods and were just like their home life sucked or whatever it was or their parents didn't maybe most likely they've just had moms who were like 
you're fat or you're all, you know, like, you know, those moms that are assholes those to their moms. daughters. Yeah. 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 Well, my mom does that to me still. Yeah. There are plenty of moms. <laughs> she's right there, by the way. I could see my mom. Yeah. She's very cute. Yeah. I would, I would, and by the I way, she, expect that if, if you tell her, she'll tell you straight out. Yeah. I tell my son he's fat. Yeah. Well, my yeah. grandparents told me I was fat, yeah. but like it was out of love, <laughs> you know, like if, uh, if, you, if someone tells you you're fat out of love, then it's fine. <laughs> but like there are a lot of moms out there who yeah. never dealt with their bullshit when they right. were growing up. So then they just passed on to their daughters and my mom mom's not that mom so but but uh there were it was there was there was one girl i won't name her even though i know none of them will listen to this but still just to save face but there's one girl who from the start of first grade all throughout up until we got into junior high school did everything she possibly could to just make my life a living hell so a bully she was she would spread rumors about she would just do a bunch of bullshit and it sucked and there were there were a handful like that um now do you keep in touch with are you guys like facebook friends yeah yeah we're facebook friends we eventually became friends in because i never again because i've got a great mom i've got great parents who i would come home and crying and be like she said this or like the whole school buddha and they would be like it's bullshit like they would literally just be like no like buck the fuck up it's bullshit you're better than that and i would be like oh okay so it never it never affected me um, so how was to that, the point that How was I, that transition when she wanted to be a friend? Were you like... It was fine. Were you hesitant about it or you jumped right in? No, I jumped right in. Interesting. Yeah, because you because as long as you... like As a kid, even, I understood. I was like, well, she must have some things that she's dealing with. And obviously, I'm the... I'm the... Re, I'm, the tar, I'm the way that she's getting... She's some of this projecting out. it on yeah, you. She's yeah. venting it out on you. Yeah, as a, I was a very like, I've always been a very like thought like I think a lot, and uh-huh. so even as a kid, I was I would like yeah. go home and like sit and like ruminate on like, well, I'm sure like, you know, like I feel like Priyanka must have a bubble, you know, and like think about that, and that way the next day when I went back to school. I was able to just not have to like worry about it. And then that all the rumors and all of those things, they never sunk in because it was very clear that I was like, well, I don't, I, it was clear that I didn't care. Right. Now you grew up in Morgan Hill, right? No, I grew up in San Jose. Okay. In um, Evergreen. Evergreen area. Yeah. So at the south uh, east corner of San Jose? Yeah. Southeast, I guess it uh-huh. is. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it wasn't a small town mentality then. No. Your, what do you mean? Because I figure that like, people come from high school, like from Morgan Hill, like a small town kind of. Oh, yeah. Like it just, people, everybody knows each other yeah. growing up. Yeah. But, no, it wasn't that. But here it's like, because for me it's like I, from elementary to middle school to high school, even through the years of high school, I just, you know, people changed and people, mm-hmm. I changed and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And the thing is though is that I met new people every time I graduated to a new thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. was almost like a like I had the opportunity to start over, mm-hmm. yeah. And some people don't have the opportunity because again, it's like a small town mentality. But in your yeah. case, you grew up in San Jose, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in Evergreen area. Uh, was you have an older brother? Yeah, right? yeah, he's right. four years older than me. How, how long you been living in, in Evergreen for? Well, so it was all my my entire up until through high school we lived in the same house. So it was all eighteen years that we lived in Evergreen. I lived. It was. Um, Evergreen, and then I would for the for like half of elementary school, I would also stay uh, with my grandparents who were in like um, like East Side, like San Jose. Mm. So that was the other thing is that that I got to most times I would like get picked up 
and go to not evergreen's really really nice pretty affluent um like i don't know evergreen's it's a nice area but then i would get to like also see like this part of san jose that was like technically referred to i guess now what people think of it is like it's like really ghetto and like really dangerous <laughs> the east side yeah it's like the east side sure. it's like yeah it's like quote unquote like even even though i'm like it's not like it's not and i grew and like being there as a kid i was it yeah. never felt like that to me um but there's a whole completely now that i think about it there's a whole completely different energy there than the bullshit that was going on at my school so it was like it was like all the shit that I was going through and not that I was able to put this into perspective at the time, but all the bullshit that I was going through in school, like whenever I would go there, like none of that shit would matter. None of that would matter there. Right. If, you know, like if I had been going to school there, there would have been a whole other set of problems that I probably would have had to deal with that yeah. were probably much worse than what I had to deal with in Interesting. elementary school. So. so what were your parents doing at this time? What did they do? Uh, they worked at a winery. Oh wow! Called they worked at Mirasu, which was down the street from our house. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Winery, like mm-hmm. like they were they they recommended wine wine to people. Uh, my mom, so my mom doesn't drink, first of all. <laughs> um, so it was like interesting. It was, yeah, it was like being like a like diabetic working at a candy store. Right. right. Uh, but so my dad was like one of the managers, so he was like the buyer, I think. So he would uh-huh. like buy the wine and like work with all of the like. That's a ludicrous industry, right? A ludicrous industry. Yeah, like you know, there's so much money involved, and so much. You'd, uh, <laughs> you'd hope you'd want I think. that. <laughs> um, I, I would think they would. Well, I mean, maybe at the time, why uh, Mirasu eventually went under. Like, I don't know, maybe like seven, five to seven years after my parents left, but it had already kind of started by the time that they were mm. leaving. Um, but I think, I mean, there is a lot of money. There has to be a lot of money in wine. I, I just figured the whole Napa scene and yeah. the, the way that wine is viewed all over the world. I'm like, there, there's got to be a lot of money involved in that operation. Yeah. I think there's a lot of money that it needs to take to start your own winery. Like all the people who have like orchards and like like the Napa Valley, like where you go wine tasting. Like I think those people are just so rich. They have yeah. to be so rich. I've never been. Never been to Napa. Um, have you been? I have, yeah. Yeah, is it worth the hype? Uh, if you like wine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's de- my mom would hate it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful place, but I mean, if you don't like wine, mm-hmm. it, it's like you go to Disneyland and st- like go somewhere else. But um, it's beautiful, and um, I went wine tasting for this, my friend Lily that I brought up again. She's uh, she just got married, so she's like on my brain right now. Um, but. Uh, uh, she when, when she get married? When? When? Yeah. Like two weeks ago. Oh my! It was like a. It Isn't was like it a weird? Private elopement. It was very romantic. I'm going to a wedding this coming Saturday. Hmm. And it's just weird, you know. It's like all my friends are getting married. Yeah. All my friends are getting not all, but like a lot of them are getting kids now. Really? Yeah. Okay. Don't well, you feel how, that? Well, wait, where are you at? How old are you? Uh, where am I? I'm at 27. Okay, me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't feel that weirdness? I do. I do. Um, yeah, kind of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like oh she's getting married this week and the week after another friend and week, it's like ooh well that's worse. So for me I'm really lucky. All of my friends are kind of like Arrested Development esque. <laughs> so 
So, so Lily's the first. She vowed. She was my friend who was like, "I'm never getting married. I'm never having kids." Oh, marriage. So she's the first person to. to is get it. I yeah. didn't know that, but yeah. but it is in this case, and so she's my first friend that got married. Um, and then I do have some other friends who like aren't necessarily like I have another friend who is not getting married I don't think but is like I think I've found the person that I will marry that's you know a, that's like, another thing we're at that age now where people are looking for more long term relationships now yeah yeah, and, and, and that's even more pressure I'm yeah. like oh Jesus I don't know <laughs> I, I'm not sure if we're gonna last a week <laughs> yeah that's comforting to hear I like that I need to hang out with you more <laughs> because I do it's like and it's not just I so also like I don't have I have a lot of friends but I don't talk to my friends very often so mm-hmm. it seems so it tends to feel like I don't have any friends sometimes yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm with you I feel like I've set up appointments with my friends yeah like I said like it's like every once in a while there'll be a t- it was like it's like a burst where it's right. like oh my god yeah friendship and then it'll go yeah. away for like and thank god for this podcast if it wasn't for this podcast I-, I wouldn't have met half of the friends that I brought over oh yeah like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while Come to my podcast. Yeah. There's a reason to see each other. Yeah. I feel like that's what this, it's just like a catching up session. <laughs> yeah, this is what it just is. Just like chilling and like Pretty talking much. about our lives. So. <laughs> but anyway, going back to you though, uh, comedy, <laughs> were, you, were you into performance during, during high school? Did comedy come to you in high school? Yeah. Comedy came to me, um, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I was, I've, I've never not done it. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, can you elaborate? Well, like, I used to, so, like, as a baby, like, as, like, as a kid, I used to, like, record myself doing, like, funny videos and, like, like sketches. Like, I would, like, record my own sketches. You're coming with bits when you were a toddler? I was. I was. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't very good. No. <laughs> they were terrible. But but as a toddler, it's, like, impressive. Because well, you're, like, you know, you, you, you can barely edge. walk. Yeah. You, you, would, you. you would definitely have an edge on stage. Yeah, yeah, as a toddler? Yeah, I totally. Yeah, if I had started... Th- oh, my God. Everybody I would, would pay attention. Oh, God. I would be so... I think about that sometimes. If yeah. I had... Because I look at... I, like, look at the bullshit... Like, I look at, like, the Nickelodeon, the Disney that was happening right. when we were kids. Right. And I'm like, I was, like, ten times better than these dudes. Like, I think about if I... My parents had been, like, you know, assholes and just, like, sold me into Hollywood at a very early age. I just would be set right now. I would be so set. Right. I could be off in, like, Peru, just, like, man. in a little cottage. You were right. You are very confident, man. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was not confident at all. I was like... <laughs> no. I mean, I've always wanted to. Like, like, I remember the first time I saw George Lopez. Hmm. Like, I want to do that. But I don't think I can. When did you feel like you could? I, I still don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I see. It's the fake until you make it. You can't, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Uh, I, I, you know, you're the fifth person to tell me that this week. What, fake it until you, it it. you make it? It's making a comeback. It, I, I don't know what that means. Like, like for me, I try not to fake it till I make it. You know, I, I think... Because people are like, oh, you know, how do you, do you keep a thin... Ma- like, Is it stressful to have a mask when you're performing? For me, not really. Because I like to think that I have a thin mask. You know, who I am on stage is who I am off stage. Yeah kind of stuff yeah I, I, I think it's and I've been bitching a lot and people, my friends are like dude just fake it till you make it uh, maybe it's code for stop bitching I think that's what it is <laughs> maybe I, yeah I think that's kind of that's kind of it I think you're supposed to fake it's like dress for the job you want not the job you have like you're supposed to you're supposed to be like no I'm good at what I I feel like I deserve these things and <laughs> I'm good enough like I think that's the faking it because I I agree that I don't 
like feeling inauthentic at any point in time. Like, I like feeling like I'm being myself, although as of recently, I have, like, very little idea of what the hell that even means anymore. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. Are, are you kind of going through, like, a like a existential phase right now? Uh, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. But it, I, like, it feels like it started a long, t- it just feels like it's been, like, a really long existential phase. I mean, it kind of just feels like this is the rest of my life. Like, it's, like, where I'm at with it. Oh, is that Where I'm at? like, oh, it's just always going to be, is this it? Yeah. This is it. Yeah, yeah. This is it forever? Yeah. Okay, good. We're going to keep going then. <laughs> I, I had a freak out not too long ago. Uh, huh? At work, I was given a, a, a printer for myself, and that made me so excited. Yeah. And then I meet, I was like, no, what does this mean now? I'm, I'm that guy. I, I, I get excited over appliances now. Yeah. I'm some middle-aged douche now yeah. who had, who, who's a rest oh, for his life. Don't he, oh. For the rest of his life, he's going to be excited over the small materialistic shit. <laughs> this is me now? This is who I am. This is who this I am. This printer represents me. And then you just proceed to smash it out a window, do something really radical I, with it. I've yet to do that. but, but Don't like, do it. Don't but, do but, that. But, but I had that epiphany at that mm-hmm. moment. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, this is me for the rest of my life. And and I mean, it's 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 bullshit. It's bu- It's so it's such bull. Because that's I was thinking about this on the way over here, where I was like, I am so judgmental of myself. Like it's those things where it's like tiny little things that you. It's then becomes it like leads down this path of like, well, I'm this person now, and it's like no, you just mm. appreciated something that like it's like it's perspective, and I think that at tw- I don't know why. I mean, I, 27 is def- it's um, Saturn's return. It, I don't know if you have you heard that no, before. No. What, what is that? So, oh god, I'm always terrible at explaining this because I don't, I don't have it. Like, are you referring to the planet Saturn? Yes, the planet Saturn. So, at the age of 27, oh, that's what it is. At the age of 27, the planet Saturn is in the exact same position as it was the uh, the time you were born. Oh, come on. No, no, no. It's for real. That's the... I've heard this now from so many people. You could look it up. It's a real And that thing. causes your existential crisis? And it just so happens, coincidentally or whatever you believe, that at 27, most people go into their, like, most, like, critical, like, existential freak out, which is, you know, that's when... A bunch of the you know rock stars like killed themselves right. and went, you know it's it's there's it's, a body of evidence you can make an argument for definitely but, but it's weird though because it is where most people start getting married and start having kids and like like that's I heard uh, 26 is the is the most common time for someone for you to meet the person you're gonna spend the rest of your life with oh no so it's yeah so we're you know we're fucked do you, do you know how many heartbreak <laughs> heartbreak i've gone through at 26 <laughs> yeah me like, too it's like oh what what are these people yeah i'm this person now <laughs> i'm the kind of person who gets their heart broken at 26 Oh man! All right, we skipped ahead though. Okay, let's go back. Hold on. Okay. So you're 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 in high school and and you're like I could be a child actress on Disney Channel and oh, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, from the so so my no my confidence slowly dwindled throughout my childhood into high school. So I started. So my first this is I I feel like kind of a douchebag telling this because I've now I've said this story like twice I think on like a. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Wait, on what? Like, I think I've written about it. I think I wrote, that's what it is. I wrote about it in an article, and so now I feel like it's, like, old news, and I can't use it again. But it's it's a great example. What article did you write it to? 
uh, I used to write for a website called Living Out Social. They are since un- gone under. Oh, was it a blog? Uh, it was like a. It was just like a. Like a health and wellness web. It was a website that promoted positivity, and so they had all we all a bunch of contributors who would write positive articles about. Okay, that's whatever. cool. And I wrote cool. about a, um, a lot of like narrative stuff. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think this podcast will go under, so you're, you're more than safe to, to say whatever is you written. Perfect. Uh, great. So this this story will be survived by your podcast. Um, <laughs> but so my first, like one of the earliest memories that I have um, is I think I was two years old and my dad used to like love telling the story. Uh, but the first joke that I ever told was when I was two. Oh, wow. And I was still in diapers because I stayed in diapers for like a crazy long amount of time because I didn't like I didn't care about yeah. being in diapers and yeah. being dirty. Uh, but the first joke that I ever told or prank that I ever did was I like got up really early one morning and went to my parents' bedroom. I woke my dad up and I like pretended to be really sick. And he was like, what's going on? I was like, ah, I just don't feel really well. And he was like, oh, no, like, what's, like, you know, parent concern. He's like, what's wrong? I was like, I know, I just feel bad. And he was like, bad like how? And I was like, bad to the bone. And, like, that was my joke. (laughs) And then laughed. And and I just thought it was, like, the funniest thing in the world. And he, it was, like, 6 in the morning. And he was just like, what the fuck? Like, it wasn't, like, a big, like, if I were to watch it now, it would probably be very, very lack. Like, I would be very, like, well, that was anticlimactic. But at the time, it was, like, this whole big, it was, like, my big, like, one of the biggest things that happened to me, like, that year, probably, was, like, that joke. Um, and so, and like, so it was like that, that was like the, like that, that idea of like tricking people and like doing things that like you're not supposed to do. Like that idea was like very, very attractive to me. Like having a mischievous side almost. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, so I just, I would do just like so much stuff like that as a kid. And like, that was all of my childhood was just like doing things like that. Um, and then it was like. I, I think I've ever it's, I think that was like my peak confidence was like a child and then ever since then it's been kind of dwindling <laughs> to the point where like now I think I've broken even if not gone under <laughs> like the general average I, I feel you could relate that to like a comedian who has like that a great special but it still, still does the same material like mm-hmm. over the decades mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. just it just, just career loses goes his, loses his thing loses the spark and yeah. just slowly slowly but for you he started at two dies. years old Damn, yeah. that's a hard fall yeah so it's been <laughs> a long come down it's been a really long come down it's not uh, not ideal <laughs> so you graduate from high school what do you do after high school yeah um i went to college in uh san luis obispo at cal poly what were you studying theater theater mm-hmm. arts yeah I, you were uh, a theater kid then I in was, high school. I was a theater kid in high school. I was well, I was half theater kid, half band kid. So the okay. first two years I did theater because my favorite teacher, Mr. Griffin, was the theater teacher, and then Mr. Griffin got promoted, and then they brought in this total creep named Mr. Ferraro who put uh, cameras in the girls' changing room. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was awful. He drove this like state. He drove like a the what? What are the station wagons with like the surfboard doors? Oh, totally. And he would wear, like, Hawaiian shirts. Oh, and he was Jesus. so gross. And, like, you think, like, I say that out loud. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a cool dude. Not a cool uh, dude. Uh-uh. Not a cool dude at all. No. And so I did not like him. Before the the video camera thing, I just didn't like him. So I quit theater because I was like, I don't like this guy. You sensed the vibe. I sensed his creepy vibe. Yeah, I just yeah. was like, I don't want to work with him. So 
I I joined band instead because I've always loved music and I had always wanted to be a drummer and so I was like oh I'll just do that now and so I just just joined the drum line um and oh wow that's pretty cool yeah it's pretty intense it was very it was super intense it was so intense it was like they like try to make it like the army like they like call things like boot camp and and they make you know for band kids they really put you through the like they put you through the ringer like they make you run and like i i fainted my first day of band camp oh jesus which is like literally the nerdiest sentence you could ever say but i fainted on band camp i fainted i was also i was a cymbal player oh i had my cymbals in my it like clattered (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that but yeah yeah i fainted um I fainted oh, trying no. to because they, they were like I was like in the sun and I was just overheated and dehydrated and they had been making me de- I wasn't a physical kid so yeah it so was you bad had, news you had both the performance and a musical side to you mm-hmm. yeah and did you ever ma- manifest those things into like band or like were you in the band outside of school or anything like that uh no wait my best friends and I we uh we did actually start a band called Foreplay. Interesting. Because there were four of us. Uh-huh. My dad came up with the name, actually, oh, which is so weird. That's, that's when, a little now, but it, but it wasn't. Was uh, somehow it does wasn't your dad, weird. Does your dad wear Hawaiian shirts? No, my dad no, does not wear. Right, I think that's right. why it's okay. Maybe he, has a, he dresses yeah, like a. He has a past. Though. A normal guy. Yeah, but yeah, he uh, we we did um, foreplay and we learned like one song. We weren't learned one stroke song. I don't remember what which song it was. Uh, and we never played it for anybody, but we but we played it for ourselves over and over and That's over. That's what matters, again. right? Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, that was my like venture outside. I wasn't even the drummer; I was the lead guitarist in that cool. band. Cool. So, so you, you head on down south to study at Cal Poly mm-hmm. Theater. Yes. Uh, and your, were your parents were still supportive at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I don't think they've ever not been supportive. And was the goal was to be an actress? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it Theater was. actress or screen actress? I don't think it was that fleshed out yet. I think it was like, I'll take whatever I can get. Right. I just want, I just want, like, the stage. Just like, give I me think. the stage. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, you, you, how was your experience down there in Cal Poly? Um, it was great. It was, uh, it was, uh, I don't know, it was like finding, I think I had had, I was coming off of a kind of a shitty high school year, um, and so I uh, found my like tribe in like my improv team. So Cal Poly has a an improv team called Smile and Nod. This is so, this is like this is really fun. <laughs> this is like just like a biography of my life. Um, but but yeah, I like I remember the first thing that happened when I got to Cal Poly was I auditioned for the Cal Poly improv team and got on immediately. So it was like the first thing that happened. It happened before school even started. Have you improv before? No. No, oh, okay, no, wow. I, first audition, you're in. Yeah, that was what got me in, I think, oh, is that they were like, wow, she's really good and she has no experience. So I think it worked for me that I didn't have any experience uh, because they were like, well, let's see what she can do then with us teaching her and like molding her. Um, <laughs> which is like we're all kids like it was right. like babies teaching babies but uh but I mean at the time it was like a really big deal and so that was like the first thing that happened and so I remember they had a sh- they have a show that happens before school starts and so they're like come to this show like, I auditioned and they're like okay you, you're on the team come tonight come to the show 
And so I went to the show and the setup was I, I got in. It was it was just so weird. It was like like I remember every single moment of it is like how special this this was to me because I got there and the minute I walked in, everything it was like my whole life was just like here you go, like this is it, and like I could feel it, like I knew it because it made sense. It everything made sense finally because I had been like basically throughout all of high school, I was just kind of like that floater kid. Like I had, I had a really good group of friends the first two years, but then pretty much all of them graduated because they were two years older than I was. Hmm. And so me and, and, and Lily, it was like us two and then all of these friends and like that was great. And then after that happened, she and I kind of, kind of fell apart because it was like, well, what do we do now? Like, where did our friends go? Who are our friends now? How do we make this work? And it was just like, for those last two years, I just didn't feel like I had any, like, good friends. And uh, and Lily and I kind of, like, split ways for a while because it was just like, you know, like, high school girl shit. And it sucks being a girl in high school. And uh, so, like... I didn't have friends and I would like try to like talk to people and it was good and, and it was it was like fun but it, it always felt like something was like missing I, I never felt truly that I fit in with anybody um, I'm reading the ugly I'm reading the origin story of the ugly duckling right now it was very like ugly duckling-esque where it was just like no matter where I went it was like I tried band I tried theater I tried uh, leadership I tried like the stoner kids and like it was like nowhere did I ever find a place where I like worked and then it was like the minute I walked into this room at Cal Poly and saw and like met these people and saw what they were doing it was like my whole world was like oh yeah no I make sense here and this is where I make sense and from that point on it was just smile and nod became like my college experience which is both good and bad because looking back on it, it was like oh well what things did I miss out on you know because I was so like tunnel vision with this group but at the same time like if you watch like Don't Think Twice or like all these improv movies and like all these improv I love that things movie. it's great that right? movie saved I wouldn't say saved my life but it saved me a lot of heartache hmm. I'll tell what you later you, okay we'll go finish I'm, I'm intrigued um, but like it, it was like that. Like yeah. since it almost, it almost like ruined improv for me in a way because ever since that experience, it was like also you have four years with a lot of these people, so it's like you get to be really close and you get to be like literally like the best of friends. And so it's like that group in Don't Think Twice. It, it's like that where it's like you know each other inside and out. You know people are dating. There's all these like stupid little dramas, but at the end of the day, you all love each other and everything's okay because you have each other you know and like it was that for sure and we performed twice a week we practiced twice a week you know it was we were each we partied really really hard after every saturday night show and you know it was it was just it was like the ideal college i can't i we used to like say like in we used to talk about it like like we'd we were like, no one else has this. Like, no one else in the world is doing what we're doing, right? And it felt like, like, I'm sure so many other people had this experience. But at the time, it felt like we were the only people, like, in the world having that much fun. You were in the moment. Yes. 100% in the moment, all of the time. And that was how I fell in love with improv comedy, was through that team. And, like, we weren't doing, like, we by no means were we doing good improv at all. Like it was, t I'm sh it was 
fucking awful. But like, it was so fun to watch because we were such good friends. So it was like, uh, my friend actually, who was on Smile, we were talking the other day and he was like, we weren't good at what we were doing. It was just that we were good friends having a good time. Uh, which like a lot of, if you look at like a lot of the successful people, like if you look like Judd Apatow and like Happy Madison and all these, it's like, that's what those, they're not improvisers. They're just good friends and they know each other really well. And so they're comfortable so they can say whatever they want and be themselves. And that's what that was. And I do think that's what magic, that's where magic happens. I don't think you can just join any old improv team and have that. I think that you have to either create it for yourself by fully giving yourself to the team and yeah. then allowing, or or it just has to be that magical time. Well, yeah, you, you have know? to build relationships. Yeah. I think that's very key that people forget uh, when you're pursuing, I mean, you can make the argument for anything, but especially something creative, you, 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 this whole alone mentality like you're doing it alone is bullshit mm -hmm. you, you have to have a supportive system and you have to build relationships in that field mm -hmm. I, I mean because I, I had a, a similar discussion about comedy here in San Jose about you know what is my role or what is for Scotty's role mm. in San Jose and if it, it, does anybody even give a shit about it and and, mm. and all that and then, and then uh, it came to conclusions like well I do it because I have fun with my friends mm. I meet my friends and I have a group of Frascati writers, and we meet up, and we come up with jokes, we come up with skits, we come up with a bunch of like stuff, and that's like the funnest part. And that's why I told like Ryan Sadakian, you know, I remember we were having like one of those you know late night in card chats, and I told him I was like, dude, the best thing about me running Cafe Frascati is not actually running the room; it's actually just hanging out with you guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, what I'm saying like, mm -hmm. and it goes back. He's like, you're not the best of whatever, but it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. when you're like with your friends and you're having fun. Mm -hmm. And you're doing something that you love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I could really resonate to what you were telling right now. Well, yeah. Well, I was going to say that, like, I haven't, I hadn't felt that. Well, no, I did. But, but so I, I did another thing in college uh, called Comedy Studies in Chicago where it was the same. It was a six-month program. Um, and it was in the middle of my college experience. So it was, like, all kind of encompassed. But it was the same thing where it was, like, this group of people, we all worked together for six months and got super close. So it was that same feeling. But pretty much since I graduated from college, I hadn't felt that kind of, like, connection that you were, that you're describing until I moved back to San Jose. Like, that was, that, w I think that's why I'm still here. Like, why I'm, like, having a, such a hard time letting go and, like, moving on is because I didn't think that I would be able to like, I thought that after, it's like, I don't know, I had this idea, it was like, okay, fun's over, like, it's time to go, like, work, and like, you can't, it was, I don't know, this like weird, stupid, like, fuck that. Yeah. But like, you yeah, know, you like, yeah. at, at a certain point, you're like, it can't always be like this, right? I yeah. mean, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true or not. I think to expect for it to always be like that is setting yourself up for a lot of heartache, but. But in my mind, it was like I didn't expect to find that feeling again. And yeah. then somehow on accident by working at the San Jose Improv and then getting kind of inundated in this stand-up community, in this artistic community here in San Jose, that feeling was like, oh, my God, no, it's here. It's like right here. All It's happening everywhere. Like I can't walk down the street without seeing someone I know. I have a place that I go every day and, and I know everybody and I feel at home and there's a community and we all have each other's backs and we all believe in each other and and every you know I go and I perform here but the most fun part isn't the performing it's that like everyone's friend you know it's like this yeah 
that yeah, feeling. And, and yeah. I think that San Jose is a lot like San Luis Obispo in that way, where it's like, it's kind of a small, it feels like a small town city almost. And so you get that like homey community vibe. Yeah, yeah. That is yeah. really nice for fostering like artistic growth. Right, right. Yeah. I agree. I definitely agree. It just it took me a while to really appreciate where I'm at now. Mm. For the longest time, you know, I always had that pressure of like trying to be the best open mic, trying to be the best comedian, trying mm. to be the best host, whatever. Mm. And that's like again, you, what you mentioned when you put expectations, you're kind of setting yourself yourself up to failure. Yeah. And essentially, that's what happened with me. You know, so there, you know, the an article came out about the open mic scene, and for Scotty, it was even barely mentioned. Huh. You know, the longest, you know, for Scotty, you, no you know, longest running cafe comedy, only open mic in the South Bay. And, and I think it's great, you know, I built it up. Yeah. But I was like, it, it made me realize, like, holy shit, like, here I thought I was part of the community when I'm really not. Turns out, like, you know, you know, I got the feeling that certain people, not just in the comedy scene, but in general, the community scene, don't appreciate my work. Hmm. But then it took I had to snap out I was like well why should I expect them to appreciate my work like what's the point like am I really doing this for them mm-hmm, am mm-hmm. I just trying to be in the scene to be cool mm-hmm. and it's like no like at the end of the day like I said at the end of the day it's to do fun stuff with friends at the end of the day mm-hmm. and after that I had that epiphany things got so much better mm-hmm. you know, yeah, so much sure. but yeah but that's like what a couple of years of me just you know hammering things out trial and error yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah when did that like when did you come to that like I don't know. That, like, fairly recent. Easy. That was fairly recent. A couple months ago, honestly. Yeah. Well, you seem much more months. relaxed than the yeah. last time. You know, the last times. When that, is the last time we talked? I don't know, but I know that you seem more relaxed since then. Yeah. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I was going through a lot. I don't know. Like, have you... Never mind. <laughs> never mind. What? This, oh, no. this episode is about you. No, that was about to get so juicy. I could tell that was about to get fun. No, the, the last... Uh, year has been has been crazy like yeah. it has, you know the whole graduation yeah the whole everything else yeah. like like when you graduate from Cal Poly were you ever at that point where you're like fuck where do we go from here oh my god I can't yeah. even this past year has been the hardest year since that year yeah that year was a god that was a whole that was a shit sh- oh my god that year was crazy what did you go through that uh a lot. I went through enough to to send me back home to be like, you need to get your shit together, Amy. Like that was, that was my that was the year or two year and a half. That was the time that I spent in Chicago post college. So, so I went back to Chicago after I graduated to like continue basically my my like comedy thread that I had started there with the comedy studies program. But it wasn't the it wasn't a. <laughs> It wasn't like a six-month structured, like, regimented program where you're literally getting everything comedy thrown at you with a bunch of people. Like, it's, like, not that. You're in Chicago. You're by yourself. You're, I mean, not necessarily by, but you're, you know, it's like, oh, no, this is a choice that I've made to now live here indefinitely and pursue. Like, it's like, it was a whole different thing that I, that I didn't think about at all because I was so sad about college ending because I was like, I had this great safety net where that I had grown so attached to over the last four years that I couldn't handle the fact that it was over. So rather than taking time, a lot of people take like a year at home after college, but instead I was like, no, 
I'm gonna go and not think about this at all and like not feel any of this pain and I'm just gonna go to Chicago and pick up where I left off there Mm -hmm. because and, and honestly that could have worked out just I think that for another person that probably could have been a fine plan and been good I just I think I'm too I'm too sentiment I'm too like nostalgic or too I get to it. I don't know what it is. I'm too unhealthy. I don't know what the word is. Like I'm, I'm too something for my to be able to just like let go like that easily and yeah, like yeah. start anew. And I think yeah. that I, I just I also think that the year after college is hard for for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that now it's now we're at an age or I'm at an age with like my other college friends where it's like I feel like I'm balancing out and it kind of seems like everyone's balancing out, but. But that first year was really hard, I think, I imagine, for everybody. And it felt like I was going through it alone because I couldn't, I could, I didn't know how to talk about it because I, mm-hmm. I was so, I had so many emotions, I didn't know how to process them. And I, I'm also terrible, or I was really terrible at processing my emotions. So yeah. rather than processing. That cost me a relationship. Yeah. Not, that cost a lot of guys' <laughs> relationships. That cost uh, me relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or it's like, <laughs> She, uh, I was broken up with like a, like a week before graduation, you know. So I had to, I had to deal with that. Ooh. But 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 because because I was so emotional that I just trying to process everything about like what I do here, what I do that. Yeah. And it was just bad timing, you know. I feel bad for her. It was just bad timing. The, yeah. The, the, the time we met. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's like you just you're dealing with so many. What's the word I'm looking for? You're fighting so many monkeys at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And the more you concentrate on one, there's one that jumps on your back. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I gotta get to that. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Everything but, just... But, you know, I took advice from a friend. Uh, and she said, was like, hey, just do something mundane for a year. Which what they told you. Just chill out. Yeah. You know, get, get, get a, don't, don't even get a job in your field, necessarily. Just chill out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got into. I was like, all right. So I got a, I got, I got, a, I got a, you know, nine to five job, mm-hmm. but it really made me chill out. Like mm-hmm. that really helped me. And thank God that you know I, I've been very lucky. I'm not sure if you feel this way, like you know, working day jobs. Yeah. But a lot of day jobs I've gotten, especially going to school, I've met a lot of sages, hmm. like a, a, a lot of mm-hmm. people full of yeah. wisdom. Yeah, that, that offer great advice. Yeah. And this current place, there's a a, a mechanic and, and there's another guy that really give great life less, you know lessons yeah. that, that really help me process things through yeah 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 i had um eileen who was my the only day job i've ever had was a, it lasted literally two weeks i think <laughs> she also fired me by the way oh my god but it was what a day, very what day job is it? it was i was a receptionist at uh at a, a financial uh financial advising banking firm financial banking financial advising okay was this here was it in chicago this or was in slow? this was in here this was in menlo park menlo park uh and a very a wonderful friend that i love got me this job i felt i still feel bad obviously uh but uh but eileen who was like she was the high, she was like the main the like head of our division we were all like i was a receptionist and everyone else was a executive assistant i think it's what it's called but basically they help all of these like banking people do their banking lives and like organize it and stuff and i just had to be a receptionist and the job is so per it's like seems so ideal because it's like in my interview they were like you have to find ways to not be bored like are you okay with like 
figuring out what to do with your time on your own. And I was like, are you, is this a, like, I felt like I was being, I was like, am I being pranked? Like, what is this? What's happening? Like, they're like, yeah, watch Netflix, read books, you know, work on like your comedy. And I was like, this is literally a dream come true. Like it was so perfect. But the only thing was that I had to be there at 7.30 sharp every morning. (laughs) And I literally could not do it. I physically couldn't. I would have if I could, but I couldn't. And Eileen, who is like the sage, like I, there were like three different times where I sat like crying to her, not about the job, but about like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> like literally just like, and she'd be like, you know, like you're young. And she was from New York. She's yeah. like, Hunt, like you're young. Like you have your whole life ahead of you. Like you have to go live your dreams. Like move to LA, like do what you have to do. Yeah. And I remember being like, thank you, Eileen. Like, like you're such a wonderful mother. Like your kids are so lucky. Like I like having these conversations with her. And you got fired the next day? And then I got fired literally the next day. <laughs> Not because was of she that. She did you a favor. She, I think, I think it was both. She was, I think, she understood that I did was not the one for the job, yeah. and that I wasn't supposed to be there. But I think more so, she was like, "This bitch can't show up on time. Like, she's got, <laughs> she's out of here." Um, but yeah, it was yeah. a very, it's a very, the most amicable, fi- amicable firing I think I'll ever experience. That's it was. Good. You still keep in nice. touch? Uh, we did. We we the la- we we talked few months ago uh on the phone but but not recently although she did say that i could call and text her anytime so she's still she's on the she's in the in the phone book in case i need her so that's awesome yeah she's that's great. really awesome <laughs> yeah now when did stand up come into the picture because you were doing improv you fell mm-hmm. in love with improv mm-hmm. that was your thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now a lot of people maybe not do is it a hard transition from improv to stand up do you think for um, you for me yeah. no no, not at all. Um, actually, no, because the first time I ever did stand up was in Chicago during that program. They had us do because it was comedy studies, so it wasn't just improv; it was all comedy. So comedy studies, what does that mean? Oh, it's the best. I mean, it's Is like it? it's like who knows? I'm just it, judging by its title. Yeah, comedy studies. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, it might be a crock of shit, but I got a lot from it. Whether it was self, but I, th- I think it was. It, it's real. Um, it, it, it is. It's very. Real. I mean, I understand people taking comedy classes, and I understand people have their reasons to. Mm-hmm. But once you add the word studies to it, yeah. Well, exactly. Actually, that's it. Um, it. Bef- until I did that program, I was not allowing myself to look at comedy as an art form or as a craft. How'd you view it then? It was fun. It was like. It was just what I did. Like, I didn't think about it that much, I guess. Interesting. So you didn't feel like you could apply, you know, uh, uh, normal work ethic into comedy? No. 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 Interesting. I mean, but I did. It will, you know, that's that's not even true. But I didn't think of it that way. But I was. If I was spending more time doing improv than literally any other thing that I did in college. You know, I dedicated most of my weekend if not all of it to doing comedy but but because it was so much fun and because it was like it felt like jerking off with my friends like that literally that's always fun was what it jerking off with friends felt and was um so that's kind of in my mind i was like yeah this is just it and like going off of like my my previous like comedic goals was basically just to be adam sandler like i just wanted to go on snl and then get super famous and then take all of my friends and just make movies with them and just like do that. That's I, what I, I want. I just figured out our problem. 
What? Amy, our problem is that we see the world, the future, in montages. <laughs> yeah. We don't see them as fleshed out novels. No, we, no. We see them as, as, as montages. Yeah, no depth. Just like all to like really like pumpy music. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. going, going, One going. thing after another. One thing after another. Yeah. No, for sure. That's like, that's a, a nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying so hard right now in this. This is why like I can't, I, I have nothing to talk about of like what I've been doing because what I'm doing is literally just trying to like go deeper with my, because I'm like do i am i just like a surface level person like do i because where did that come from well because i well i don't know a lot of things but like i i just i feel like i move from one thing to the next to the next like i never stop oh i see i've ne- okay. I, I never stopped i mean i did after chicago because i was so like i was in such a dark place and so i was like you have to i was forced to stop and that was good but but then I think I ramped back up again to the point where I got even more to the point where I was like, go, like I like just never taking time to breathe or to like take time for myself or to really like be like, do you really want to do this? Like, like there's so many th- mm. other things in the world other than comedy. And I just think I've never allowed myself to see that because I've been so like yeah. dangling this carrot where right. I'm just like trying so hard and not and living my life like it's a montage you know like i like i i live my life like a sitcom where i'm just like it'll all work out and like next episode what's gonna happen today like that's every day and and that that i mean i think it's good in the way that i'm optimistic and i'm i generally like have fun and and process things but i think that there is like a there's more that i'm missing and i think that Mm -hmm. i'm forcing myself to just stop and just take the things that come to me and just be in my body be my like to take care of myself and just like pause for a second yeah so that i can kind of ask myself these other questions i've been going insane yeah. it's not fun i yeah. am not happy at all <laughs> about it no that's okay um but yeah that's okay like for me I, I, again i resonate totally uh i've been having long periods of like and like talk to any of my close friends, I'll tell you what's the one thing you talk to Hori about? Hori being unhappy, you know. And it's like, but it's hard to describe because people assume you're depressed. People just assume they like, oh, you just. But it's not that. It's more of like, for me at least, is like I feel like I have so much energy to do something, mm-hmm. but I'm not applying it, mm-hmm. and so I feel like a bit worthless mm-hmm. because I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I, I figured out, because you touched upon a notion, is that you it just completely, uh, Im- uh, what's what I'm looking for, fully embrace yourself, not embrace, but you're, you're concert in comedy, and that's all you are, comedy 24-7. Mm-hmm. For me, film 24-7, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm even more fucked up, because I'm doing so many things, podcasting, think about that 24-7, yeah. that I forget to actually live. Mm-hmm. You know, that I forget, it's like... It's like for weeks, you know, go to work, write, and work my shit. And to to the average person, they're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. That's good work ethic. But I'm not happy necessarily <laughs> yeah. because I treat it like work. I'm like, I mean, it's fun. It's great. But there were times where I'm like, you know what? I need to take a weekend off. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to take a weekend. Just go to the beach. Yeah. I don't have to do anything exciting. Yeah. Read a fucking book. Yeah. Talk to that friend who's been trying to hang out for like months. Yeah. Call him up. Mm-hmm. See what's going on, mm-hmm. and that's something I learned recently to to process as well. 
I, and, and that is, is like, there is what you want to do creatively, but there is, you know, um, j- just to live life a little. And by that, I don't mean like yeah. do fun stuff, but just to do stuff, go for a walk yeah. and, and stuff like that. Do stuff that's not related. Inten- yeah. That doesn't have another purpose, but just doing something for the hell of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something, um, and, and I feel like I, 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 I think that really hit a spot for me too, because for the longest time, I feel like a hypocrite, you know, because I would teach some people screenwriting, you know, I would consult some people. Mm-hmm. And, and in screenwriting, there's a certain uh, um, mentality for a lot of young screenwriters is that you have to be witty in, in your dialogue uh, off the bat, uh, off the bat, witty, witty, witty. You're like, oh, <laughs> and, and, and I, would, I wouldn't discourage it, but I was like, don't worry about that. The wittiness could come later. Yeah. It's about setting the... The, the scene setting the environment setting the characters mm-hmm. once you have those things then you could go back and could always alter dialogue mm. because if you concentrate only on the wittiness you won't be able to write anything because you'll be too judgmental of your of your work mm-hmm. you'll be mm-hmm. deleting it mm-hmm. and, and you end up not finishing the story mm-hmm. and here I am telling people this and I'm not even applying it myself to my life oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. so it's like ah it's all a work in progress, Amy. That's all we are. Yeah. That's literally... Like, that's it. That's it. Is that that's what we it? Forever. Yeah. We solved it? Yeah. Are we done? We're done. We made it? Yeah, we're here. I guess for now on, everything is on montages now, right? Yeah, so now you're on montage mode. <laughs> Just ride this puppy out. Uh, <laughs> all, the to the, all the way to the end. To the bank. So we're pretty close to, uh, to an hour. So we're almost there. Okay. Okay. Uh, one last question okay. before we go. Okay. Let's say, since, you know, you're aligned with Saturn now, right? Yes. Or something like that. Saturn has returned. Saturn has returned. (laughs) Uh, If you could go back and you you see yourself as that two-year-old with that one one great joke. Yeah, yeah. What's my advice you would give yourself? Uh, Advice I would give her? Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I, I, I mean... I feel like she's more apt to give me current me advice. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. like I think that she knows more than I do at this point. Uh, I I think if I if I could tell her like give her like a foreboding like warning when this happens, do this. I think <laughs> like a warning, yeah. I think I would want her to know that none of it matters. That none of it matters. That the only thing that matters is is her and what she what she thinks and what she wants. Um, which honestly, she was pretty like in that for at that point in time. But I think that uh, that gets lost the minute, or that got lost for me the minute I. I, I started interacting in a social way and I think that that's probably most people where you want to fit in and you want people to like you and so you start adapting yourself to meet others expectations and desires and it's horseshit it, it's it's misery is what it is it's just it's it it how long until you realize that I still realize it. like I'm still yeah. dealing with it that's the that's what I'm trying to 
overcome right now and it's so many 30 year olds have been like once you hit 30 like that's and I'm like I don't want to wait three more years I don't want I having the intellectual like knowledge feels like it should be enough you know? um, so ignorance is, is a little bliss do you feel oh no yeah did, oh, did I read that wrong uh no I mean eh, I don't know I mean ignorance is for sure bliss but I think but yeah, yeah, I guess in a way, because I have this knowledge, right? Or I can say, like, no one's opinion of me matters. The only thing that matters is me and what I and the things that I and who I am and, and all of those things. But then the minute I walk outside, I have a million voices in my head telling me who I should be and how I should act. And they're all the voices of the people that I care about. And so it's like, it's like, it's hard because it's like, it's it would be so much easier not to care about anybody because then you wouldn't care about what anybody thinks of you mm-hmm. but to not care about anybody is also kind of a miserable life in my opinion right. so it's like where, where where's the balance yeah where's the balance yeah I, i've always considered myself uh an emotional nihilist <laughs> okay well, <laughs> right i know what do you go on what does it elaborate a little bit for uh, me uh i think the bigger picture i think nothing nothing really fucking matters oh, okay yeah uh you know it's like it's, at the end of the day i you know i, I feel like who, who who gives a shit about you know this podcast like at the end of the day this where does this stand in in, in, a, in a in a spectrum of time you know it's like or or like just i understand that there's there's meaningless out there but i'm still emotional over that and i think i think maybe that comes from my 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 filmmaking background because i feel like because there's no meaning i feel like it's almost my job to put meaning into it Hmm. in some Mm -hmm. ways Mm -hmm. you know i I mean the best example i could put is is an instrument you know Mm -hmm. What is your percussion thing? Like it's just fucking wood and right. whatever and, and, and on stuff. But you can make some amazing um, drum patterns right. and music out of it. Right. Yeah. You put meaning into that drum set. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so that's what I mean. Is although everything's meaningless, in some ways we put meaning into that meaningless. Mm-hmm. That makes no fucking sense. No, no, that it it makes total sense. It 100% makes sense. There's, Does it? Yeah. You give me that look. You give me that no, look. no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm. In, you give me a stink eye. I'm. No, that's my face. It's like this guy. <laughs> this guy's judging me over Saturn returning, and here's he talking about meaning and meaningless. No, no, that's my. That's my. I'm. I'm absorbing what you're saying, face. Um, no, that like I just uh, there's, like, I don't know. Someone interviewed Dan Harmon recently. Uh, it, was, uh, it was on Facebook. I've been on Facebook too much lately. Uh, but he that that's what he's talking about where he he's talking about how nothing matters and he's like nothing matters and like if you understand that then like it makes life better because you allow yourself to live in every moment and then you can choose what matters to you because you know that nothing matters that's what it is yes you know? like it's like you you have the things that mean something to you so like the earth it's dying so like let's care about that and and i you know i i am creative and artistic and i have this energy so let me put something into that but at the end of the day nothing matters so 
so let's just do the things we want to do and and, and have a good time. Like essentially was the the thing, and that's that's kind of always been my belief too. Except, you know, sometimes bullshit gets in the way, and mm-hmm. then and then it clouds that. But yeah. but if you can hold fast to that, like, then I think that you're gonna that everyone's okay. Awesome, yeah. Amy. Happy to see you again. And you as well. Happy for you to come on by. Yeah, thanks for, was, ha- thanks for asking chat, me. Right? It was <laughs> this a good is, talk. Maybe, yeah, this is a great, honestly, this is very, very cathartic for me. Good. This helped a lot. See, and this is, mm. that's what I mean. Like, I just keep doing things that <laughs> get thrown, and it's always good. Like, I had so much anxiety coming here, because I was like, oh, what am I going to talk? Like, it's me. Come well, on. Well, yeah, no, it, yeah, of course. That's why I'm here. Yeah. But, like. That doesn't help, I'm sure. It's I me. It's me, Jorge. <laughs> I can't. There's nothing these days that I can do without feeling, like, dread and anxiety beforehand. I don't know what it is. Mm. Maybe it's Saturn's return. Who knows? But it's, like, now that I'm forcing myself to do the things that. I say I'm going to do, things are okay. So it's like, okay, you just have to get there and do it, and then it's okay. And that's how this was. That was, it was good. Thank you. Good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Amy. Yeah.